I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In this podcast, we chat about the defeat against West Brom. We look ahead to Bolton and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is our Borough Mash Day chatter in a pod. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig it? Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown podcast with Johnny, Dana and our guest for this week, Matt. Um, and we have the Bora podcast that gives you all of your Bora match day chatter in a podcast. And Middlesbrough have suffered their worst start since 2003-2004 with one point from a possible 12 in the championship table. Guys, uh, as always now, what is your one key takeaway from the game? Uh, Dana, do you want to go first? Yeah, my one key takeout is that I just really don't like the start of seasons. Like, I really, really don't. Because, again, we've stumbled out of the blocks and really struggled. And I'm seeing the same sort of reactions as last season. The manager might walk. Steve Gibson should sell the club. We need more leaders in the team or the recruitment team are crap. And I'm just a bit numb to it now, to be honest. I do think this team will improve markedly and I do back them to do so still but in the meantime I'm kind of just over it now like why can't we start a season strongly start the season strongly and then if we fall off we fall off a little bit later but why can't we just start the season strongly it would make things so much easier especially online where it kind of becomes a bit of a toxic cesspit to be honest but yeah I just I don't like the start of the season can we just skip to the good part please okay then Matt uh, obviously welcome uh, nice to actually have you on. You know, from the graphics to the podcast now, with promotion just keep coming. You just keep getting better and better. Yeah, like you'll be a horse next time. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's coming for my gig. Yeah, people already are. So, Matt, <laughs> what is uh, your one key takeaway? What do you think? Pain, really? Um, <laughs> but no, um, <laughs> just frustration. Really, that that a bit like what Dana said. We just seem to really make life more difficult for ourselves than it really needs to be making silly individual errors gifting goals to the opposition and I think I heard I think Mado might have said this on tees and I, I couldn't agree more with what he said we had improvements and promising signs last week after Huddersfield and I kind of thought you know what yeah it was Huddersfield but you can only beat what's in front of you and you know we were we were better and I thought it's only going to really be worth it if we back that up against West Brom and we just see that progression 
And to just kind of, I don't know if it's take a step back, but to just see us again, just like gifting goals to the opposition and making really bad errors and effectively losing a game we really shouldn't have lost. It's just really frustrating. And I'm just waiting for us to kick into gear, waiting for us to progressively improve across a couple of games. And a bit like what Dana said, I'm just waiting for the season to properly start. And it just hasn't yet. So just frustration, really, is what I'd say. Yeah, and I don't think we've really had a good start to the season since probably Tony Pulis era. And I don't even want to remember that, to be honest, because um, that was painful <laughs> to watch. But yeah, pain, you know, is, is probably the, the word of the of the day, really. Just painful, <laughs> like, how we've been able to to throw games away and, like, kind of, yeah, we'll throw games away to, to the opposition. You know, we're not really giving too much away in terms of chances. Teams aren't really breaking us down in terms of, like, Cutting us open, getting them behind and creating good uh, good quality chances, but we just give them away anyway. So, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of where we are at the minute. But I think key takeaways, yeah, we just need to be better off the ball and that will come with time. We need to maybe press the team better. You know, we need to be better in the transition. You know, our pressing from the front is getting better. It's a lot better than what it was last year, but our midfield is still the problem we haven't been able to break down uh, teams. I don't think Housen and Hackney are fantastic defensively, but Housen's good enough. But we need need us to step up. I think from that, I think we need to bring someone to really fill that void and maybe another centre half as well, and just try and get a bit better of a spine as we move into September onwards. But let's move on and, and chat about West Brom then, because uh, we did make two changes to the side. You know, McGree came in and Smith came back from injury. I thought he was going to be back a way later. And then he actually came back, but you know, he was sent off halfway through, so it probably wasn't ready. Um, <laughs> but there was no Martin Piero either, there was no Hayden Coulson. The rumors obviously they could potentially be going before the, the next week's out. But Dana, how would you assess the performance against West Brom? Bad, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It was just another game in a long collection of games of Borough assisting their own defeat, and it was even more frustrating because despite being 2-1 down, we were well within reach of levelling things up and we just hit self-destruct. We really did. And to be honest, I could kind of gauge the general makeup of the game within the first like two minutes because Borough were quite content, even happy to a degree, to allow West Brom possession of the ball in dangerous areas, in pockets of space, inside the 18-yard box, just outside, between the lines, on the flanks. And in the end, I'm not surprised that the way that we conceded that second goal uh, where John Swift just dribbled his way through our defence and unleashed a shot and got himself on the score sheet because we were disengaging within the opening exchanges and we disengaged in the build-up to that goal. Nobody really tried to close him down. And when you see a player like that just dribble his way through a defence, it's really, really frustrating to see. The first goal is whatever. The second goal, we allowed that to happen. The third goal, we gifted them. And then the fourth goal, we just got picked off because we tried to press and because of the man disadvantage, they bypassed that and managed to score that fourth. I'll credit West Brom because I think that they were better than I thought they were going to be based on browsing the forums before the game. But they weren't good value for a four-goal scoreline. And that ultimately is the issue. You know, again, the key takeout of, of the game or another key takeout of, of this pod from that game is that we're just gifting so many sloppy goals. This isn't just a problem from this season. It was the case last season as well. And it's just, 
you pull your hair out thinking, how can we keep conceding these types of goals and consequently throwing away, or not necessarily throwing away because we never had the game anyway, but losing games because of those mistakes is just really frustrating. Yeah, I want to chat about an opposition and them creating chances and we'll talk about XG in, in just a moment. And But Matt, where was where do you think the, the game was won and lost? You know, we talk about game state quite a lot. Things happen and that change and that causes a reaction elsewhere. But where do you think the game was was won and lost yesterday? I think I think we just made a rod for our own back. I think we were beaten by ourselves. I think we've it was a two-two game maybe, and I think in transition when we're being counterattacked on, I think our midfield's non-existent. I'm not really sure the structure or the shape what we're trying to do when we're defending, and that coupled with individual errors is just a cocktail for just yeah it's just obviously only going to bring bad results and it's going to leave us in a position where we're going to have to outscore teams we're going to have to maybe score two or three maybe even four if we're going to win games like this and we don't quite have the firepower to do that I'd say so far this season so I think you look at the first goal I don't think it was a foul I think that's maybe a debatable thing I know a couple of people think it is a couple of people and I don't think it was a foul I think it was soft and then, yeah, you look at the second goal, midfield's non-existent, no one engages. Third goal was a gift. And I think the only goal of quality they really scored was the fourth goal. Um, so, yeah, we've we've been beaten by ourselves. We've, like Dana said, pressed the self-destruct button and essentially gifted goals and gifted another result away to the opposition and made ourselves, well, we've made the opposition look better than what they were. Obviously, you've got credit West Brom, but we've made them look better than what they were. A bit like when we played Coventry, and we've made ourselves look worse than what we probably are. So, um, yeah, I think the game was won and lost by Borough and probably Borough themselves just shooting themselves in the foot again. Yeah, and I think the underlying numbers really suggest that, don't they, as well, when you look at, like, the XG of the game. And we talk about XG and say, well, basically, really, is just, like, the quantity and quality of chances that, like, an opposition team creates. Yesterday was 0.62, Borough beat them in, in the XG, so we are creating the chances, we're just not putting them away, but they had a 0.62 XG yesterday, scored four. Um, Matt, why do you think we just keep leaking these goals? Do you think, do you think it really just is that that individual error side of things and we're just... Because well, it doesn't really seem that we're getting picked off too much, does it? No, I was, I was looking through the goals we've conceded so far this season and I don't think we've conceded even a handful of goals that were actually of any quality. I, I don't think a team has had to really carve us open at any stage, has had to you know, play really good football to get through us or have looked anywhere decent. I think we've been unfortunate in a couple of instances. I think the Huddersfield goal was unfortunate. I think a couple of the goals at Coventry were unfortunate, albeit I don't think the result would have changed. But at the same time, I look at the West Brom game and I kind of think we got ourselves back into the game at 2-1. It was a great response. And you're going into that second half thinking, right, we're only a goal down. Yes, we've gifted the opposition, but we're still in this game. And you're thinking, right, we can, you know, we can we can get back into this. We could even win it. Because last season we saw Borough could in the second half, you know, in a matter of minutes, blitz a team. And we could come from behind and win a game like that. Because I would say West Brom weren't great. And we're not there for the taking, but there was a result there for us. And we play a really bad pass back, give them a goal. So we've instantly gifted them the two-goal lead back again. And then on top of that, we then go and give them a man advantage as well to just make the task even more difficult for ourselves. So 
obviously it's not intentional, but we're just making really silly decisions and just making life so much tougher. And it, it is eerily similar to the start of last season when you looked at the data and we were creative going forward, not putting the chances away. We weren't conceding high quality chances, but we were just letting goals in left, right and centre. I just can't put my finger on it really. Why? It's happening again, like last season. I'm hoping it's going to follow the same trend as last season and we'll kick into gear at some point and it's all going to be rosy at the end of it and we'll look back on it like we did the wilder season last, like the wilder time of last season and think that it was all just a bad time. We can look back and laugh, but yeah, at the minute, I'm just puzzled by this football club and just the goals we keep gifting. I, it's hard to make sense of, really. Yeah, it, it is It is hard to make sense of. I mean, when when you look at how we were last year and the parallels that we're seeing are, are really interesting. And I think that when I look at Middlesbrough's shape and how we set up in games now, we're definitely playing with a flat back four for most of it instead of playing with maybe a three and trying to create the space up for the wing back. We're not doing that as much anymore. We're trying to play a bit more narrow and that creates different uh, opportunities for teams, you know? So, you know, the football is like a game of chess at times, isn't it? Where you'll do, you'll make one move, the opposition will make another move. And that's where these things will, there's never a solution for everything really is what I'm trying to say. So it's, it's quite difficult for Borough at the moment, but, you know, we've made changes. We've lost, what, I'd say 66 goal contributions, really, when you look at Archer, Akpom, Giles and Ramsey. And obviously you don't mention like the players like Stefan, who was a big contributor to our side last year. Alex Mount was really, really good um, at the back, at, well, back few games. So we've lost a lot of quality. We've brought players in who so saw on paper, like they look good, but personnel's different. They're different people. They'll see the game in a different way than what Ryan Giles would, what... Uh, Cameron Archer would and it's just trying to maybe adjust the side to what we want it to be now and trying to get the best out of them and I think Carrick has to tinker with that for the next few weeks next few days are, are massive for us to try and get that going but like Dan like how would you, how would you think like, if we are still going forward like Matt alluded to it there like you know an XG of 5.7 we scored three you know an X like goals against it was four and we'd actually been like so Going forward, we're 10th best for base next year. Goals against, we're actually 19th. So in terms of like actually goals against, we're actually quite good um, in terms of that front. Hull are actually top of that. They've actually next year against, they look like they're going to concede a lot of goals this season, probably um, looking at the data itself. But why do you think Bora found themselves just in the position that they're in? Like, what do you think the solutions are for this like defensive errors that we've got? Well, I think we find ourselves in this position because we can't defend in the moments that we need to. There is an element of misfortune, as Matt has alluded to. We've conceded two on goals. There was fluky goals at Coventry as well, for example. But I think it's quite seemingly straightforward to attack Borough. You know, the the best window of opportunity for an opposition is immediately after we lose the ball because we're out of shape and, you know, we lose the ball. And more often than not, we concede possession in really dangerous areas so I think a potential solution of that is to maybe have one of the two midfielders sit and protect the back line maybe even switch it to a 4-3-3 I don't really want Borough to change the system necessarily but if we maybe go with a 4-3-3 and have a number six and then two eights and have the six maybe when we are in well sorry when we're out of possession somebody that can potentially slot into the back back three 
create that three at the back just a little bit more protection because at the moment a lot of runs are being made off Housen and Hackney and it's a problem they're very good going forward they're very good on the ball but do we necessarily need both of them to be in advanced areas of the pitch I don't think we do because the way that Rani McGree plays he has the position of a number 10 sometimes an advanced eight and so he roams in central areas he can potentially do that defensive work but I think we don't really need both House and Hackney in advanced areas of the pitch. They don't always do so. Sometimes one of them sits a little bit further back and one of them advances. It's usually Hackney that's advancing this season. But I just think we need more protection because when we lose the ball, we are incredibly vulnerable and we don't have the high-end championship attack where we can pretty much hang our hat on saying, that's fine, you score two, we'll score three. We can't outscore oppositions anymore because we don't have that um, attacking contingent so maybe we do need to adapt and maybe the route of adaptation is to just try to shore things up at the back give ourselves a good defensive base and then work from there it might not be as fun as last season when we were going ho in attack and we could outscore teams we just don't have that personnel anymore so maybe we do need to just adapt that and and maybe put a sitter in there just as extra protection yeah, and I think that's what Borrell will probably do in, in the window in the next week. I definitely feel like we need a ball playing centre half as well, which will help us in possession. I think sometimes with 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 Fry and, and Lenahan, it's just we don't take advantage of the runs that are being made going forward. We like to play a little bit safe and hold up possession and try to play through the first. But sometimes that ball's just on, so just give it a, give it a go to mm. try and, and they're do not being pressed. Then there's yeah, a lot no. of time within games where they're not being pressed. It's not until we then progress the ball into midfield that we get swarmed on at times so it does give the opportunity there for a, a diag and I think we saw that from Lenahan yesterday pinged a really good diag over to Silvera but we don't really see that often enough the output from the centre-halves I think probably does need to be better when we are in possession mm, we, we definitely do and I think just that, that, defense, that defensive midfielder as well would probably if we, if we move to like a 4-1-4-1 I feel like that in itself would probably help us a little bit more instead of like that 4-3-3 but yeah, I think last season was a little bit different where we would try and create space for, for Giles. This year, we're trying to play really narrow, so when we do get transitioned against, we've got the bodies there to try and win the ball quickly back and then get them on the transition again. But it hasn't really worked this time yet. The, the underlying metrics say we're, we're quite good at winning the ball in the final third, but I think there's probably more to it than than that, to be honest. Um, but Matt, if you were Michael Carrick right now, you're looking at the defensive things, you're looking at the solutions and how can we improve where, where do you think you would look to try and uh, improve things for it? Well, I actually think going into the final week of the window, I actually think that arguably the most important position we maybe have to fill now is in midfield. Because I'm kind of looking goes going forward. But I'm accepting that no matter who we bring in, we're probably not going to score the same goals we were going to we scored last season. And I think it's irrelevant, no matter what we do going forward at the moment, if we're going to concede two or three going the other way. So I am looking at Hackney and Housen and feeling like we do need to change something up in the midfield. We need to give the centre-backs more protection because if we've got a left-back bombing on, which is what Engel's been brought in to do, you've obviously got the midfielders going forward as well. You've only really got a right-back and the two centre-backs there. And they're just so easy to get at. And we've seen how easy it is for the for the other opposition to just bypass Borough's midfield. So I don't know if we could tweak the system so we have a midfielder who sits more in front of the, the centre-backs and you maybe have just either Hackney or Barlasser allowed to, to, to go forward. Or we maybe do go with a, 
at four three three at least out of possession. So um, we do have a sitting midfielder, and then maybe whether it's Housen or if it's someone else, and then you have Akni and Balas or whoever else in front who are allowed to express themselves. But yeah, the more we're getting close to the end of this window, I am actually starting to think that a strong central defensive midfielder to protect the the back four could be actually more important than a striker going forward. Obviously, we want to get both in. We want to get as many goals into the team as well. But I think it's irrelevant what we do going forward if we're going to continually be as open, go on the other way. So that's probably what I'd lean towards right now, which is weird because a couple of weeks ago, starting the season, I wouldn't have really given much consideration to a, a central defensive midfielder. But I think looking at us now, I think that's probably the priority position for me, at least. Yeah, it's quite ironic that Michael Carrick was a defensive midfielder, arguably one of the best, and that is where our biggest problem is. Yeah. But it, it is what it, it is. What it is. It is what it is. But I think let's have a look at the key moments of the game then from, from yesterday, obviously. Then that first goal, you know, obviously that changed the complete state and narrative of the game. Many were, Maddo was adamant in commentary that it was a foul. Mm. What do you think? Because it, it looks like there is a clear contact. You know, he's put both arms on his back. There is movement. Do you think it's a foul, though? Uh, not for me. When Maddo was talking about it, I felt like I was missing something because he was very adamant, wasn't he, that it was a foul. Maybe I need to recalibrate my glasses. I don't know. But I was looking, searching all over the screen. I was like, where's the foul? And then I've clocked on and I was like, I'm not so sure. To be honest, I actually lean towards no. But I will say that I was watching their highlights, uh, West Brom's highlights against Swansea from a couple of weeks back. And I th- I felt like it was a rerun of one of the goals from that game because in that game they had Daniel Furlong long throw it bounces around in the box and then they score from it. And so as soon as I saw Darnell Furlong loading up that ball in his shirt for that long throw, I thought, here we go. And one of my questions, I've I've started asking questions that will find their answer at the end of the game in my podcast notes. And one of them was, how will Borough defend set pieces? Because West Brom have scored the most from set pieces this season. That one, I just, yeah, there is a, a factor in there that is it a foul, is it not? I personally think that it isn't. I just, I don't know. I just think it's very soft. And if that is a foul, you're setting a really weird precedent there that I just don't think is necessarily welcomed in football where you could probably argue that a slight tap on the shoulder is a foul. And I just don't think it's strong. It's a strong enough claim for me. And that might be really controversial. I've seen many, many um, colours, shades of opinion on it. But for me, it's just not a foul. I agree. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I was going to ask you as well, Matt, if you thought if you thought it was a foul or not. But I mean, you said you agree already, so I don't need to, to come to you know about that. But um, yeah. Housen could have done a little bit better then on in that situation uh, than Matt. Like it is some sort of contact, but it's not much. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, arguably it was a bit of a mismatch. Um, mm, it was. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I buy into the well. Housen could have been stronger because Kipre, you know, he's he's a big big centre back. So I'm sort of looking at it and I'm thinking, I look at set pieces and I'm thinking, well, players pull and push and tug and jostle for position on every corner, every throwing. And I'm sort of, th- I'm coming at it from the angle of, well, if that's a foul, you probably could give a foul at every corner because there's, there's mm. more contact going on between attackers and defenders on most corners and you could easily give a foul, of, you know, on every set piece. But then I'm also looking at it and thinking, well, Tommy Smith literally put his arm around the shoulder of Matt Phillips, was it, and got himself a yellow card. That's I'm kind true. Of thinking, well, if, if that's soft, 
then or that's a yellow card, then maybe it is a foul. So I, I, I don't know if it depends on the game state or where it is on the pitch or the reaction of the players, the appeals of the players. I really don't know. But I think maybe Maddo and, and others have, have come at it from the, the, the sort of perspective of the rule book and that, well, two hands on the back is a foul. But when I looked at it in real time, I didn't really notice much of a push. Like, I didn't really, I just didn't notice it really in real time. I think maybe if you slow it down, then yeah, everything looks like a foul when you slow it down and the more you look at it. But I think in real time, if you're the referee, I just don't see enough of a foul in there. So um, I, I, I personally think it's, if it was a foul, it was a very soft one at that. So I agree with Dana. Yeah, if, if it was a foul as well, though, I would like to see like, you know, Johnny Housen go for it a little bit more and like you know, like <laughs> say it's like performing in Broadway and doing like Macbeth or something just falls to the floor. Like just just the thing you know, is though, you can't, can he? With the new Which rules, means, he can't. Yeah. Because yeah. he'll it's, get booked. Still commit to it though. You know, you've got to commit to it. You've got to give it a hundred percent in those moments, I think. Like really own it, you know. Back, you know, bad back, get his stretch, get the stretcher on, all that kind of stuff, get the magic sponge on, you know, score for it, Johnny, you know, that's what I want. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, obviously, as the game progressed as well, you know, the, the second goal as well, the play from the back of West Brom and then they're able to beat the press. Emmanuel Lala tries to press the play through him. And the second ball uh, from Swift, he, he finds himself in a nice little bit of pocket of space behind uh, Hackney and Housen drives and, and goes to score. A lot could be better before we get back in the game with Emmanuel Lala. And we'll come to him in just a moment. But that third goal, um, you know, you character's probably with about 15 minutes scoring. Guys, look, we're in this game. Keep it nice and tight, 15 minutes. Don't make any mistakes. We then pass the ball back to uh, <laughs> the centre-four and he goes and scores. Um, but I just want to say to Engel as well, like, 
look, these mistakes definitely happen. But when you watch the game back, there is literally nothing on apart from that goalkeeper in that moment. But at least look. I mean, if I'd rather you just turn, just give the ball up for a throw in um, if there's nothing <laughs> truly on. I mean, yes, you are like giving a long throw away, but again, like I think it's just a mistake. And I think Philip Borough fans shouldn't get on his back because I think for me, he's been quite solid the last couple of games from what we've seen. He's playing more defensive role than he did in his previous club. Um, but his crossing looks really good. And I think just like it's very small sample size. I think he's, he looks like a good find as well. Emmanuel Latte Laugh will probably deserve all the credit because I thought his, his header was great yesterday. The, the ability to create chances is also very good. But we're still in the game though, Matt. We are we are throwing one down and then a red card happens. I kind of want to break them down into two yellow cards because the first yellow, was it a foul and was it a booking? And then secondly, I mean, he has to go. But do you think it was deserved really, the, the red card in, in total? Well, I actually missed the first yellow card. So I, I can't comment on... I don't even know what happened with the first yellow card because I completely missed it. But what I will say, if you are on a booking regardless, you can't give the referee a decision to make. And I feel like, going back to what I was saying earlier about West Brom's goal, it maybe is one of them where it could be given. I've maybe seen instances where that kind of tug on a player isn't given. But at the end of the day, I feel like when you're on a booking, the referee's right there. You're giving him a decision to make. And we've, we're already, you know, 3-1 down. We've gifted them two of the three goals, arguably. And it's not like he's running in on goal. He's going to run down the wing, but it's not like it's to save any real danger. I think we could have recovered the situation quite easily. I just don't understand what went through his head and why he chose to put himself in that position because he's just given the referee a decision to make. And unfortunately for us on this occasion, he's obviously chose to send him off, which is be fair, I think I still think we did pretty well after Smith went off, in all honesty, but it obviously doesn't help. I think we've lost him for is it the next game? I don't know if it's Bolton or if it's the next league game, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good return for Tommy Smith. I was I was actually really happy to see him in the starting eleven. Um <laughs> and I couldn't quite believe the um the performance he put in and, and the yeah, the second yellow card was just silly for me. Yeah, it was now. See, the game's changed. Millsbury do pull one back. Max Foster, handsome finish striker, um, you know, scored a lovely penalty. And then we were killed off right at the very end. But in the post match, Carrick said he was actually really encouraged by the display in some moments of it and with um, what the players are trying to do as well. I kind of want to hear your thoughts on this, the Perry, because do you share like the optimism as well? Or do you see the positives that Carrick's trying to say, Dana? <laughs> I share the optimism generally, but it's difficult to really say so after yesterday's game because it's a repeat offence from Borough to hit the self-destruct button. We saw it so many times last season, but we were able to dig ourselves out of a hole. We're seeing it this season. As I said at the top of the show, I still think that this team will click and that they'll improve very much, but it's just difficult to hold the optimism quite highly after yesterday's game. And it's a shame, as Matt said at the start, like, yes, it was an improvement against Huddersfield. And as Tom said on the last pod, if it wasn't for Lee Nichols, we probably would have got three points out of that game. But you can't follow up an, an improved performance with that because it just doesn't, it doesn't stick with fans. You can't take one step forward and two steps back. There we go. I'm saying that again, it feels like just a repeat of last season. So it's it's frustrating. I do hold the optimism. I do see it. 
because I think we do have talented players. They don't just lose their ability to play football, but there's just a lot of teething issues going on right now that need ironing out ASAP. Matt, what do you think? I I see I see the positivity and I see the encouragement. I see it in spells at least. Um, there's certainly periods of the game where we're looking neat, we're looking tidy, and I can even though personnel's different, I can see the same Borough side from last season. I can see what we're trying to do, and I can completely see the when we click, when we click, um, not if when that it will be great and we'll probably score goals and we'll look a decent team again. But obviously, and I think Dennis hit the nail on the head with that point, it's hard to take that as a credible opinion when you've just showed improvements last week and then you've completely sort of went against that and, and have sort of regressed a little bit and, and the same things are happening. I think if you if fans are seeing progression and seeing these these mistakes ironed out, you can kind of get behind that opinion. But when we're sort of, as you say, taking one step forward, two steps back, people are sort of going to look at it and say, well, you're not really seeing the fact that we're still making the same mistakes. We're not improving on the last performance, at least. And obviously, I know Carrick's, uh, and I'll, I'll back Carrick, and uh, I'm encouraged by what he says, and I agree with him, but obviously it's going to give a certain corner of the fan base a stick to beat him with when they just see these quotes, probably without context, and just go in on him because they just think he's blind to what's actually going on. So I personally agree with him, but it's it will probably rile the wrong fan up the wrong way at the same time. So it's um it's it's a tough one really. I agree with what he says and I appreciate his honesty and his positivity and how he's always glass half full. But I can see why certain fans will just use that as a stick to beat him with over and over again when we don't get results. Yeah, that, that's absolutely it. You know, I think everyone wants us to win every game, and that's very difficult to do. Um, like obviously, you know, progress isn't linear, is it? You know, you can always go forward and, and take a, a step back to some extent. But I think just going forward, we we do look a lot better than what we did probably in the first maybe two uh, league games. I think the last two games we've we've created actual chances. Um, you know, Emmanuel Lattelaf has I think is, is a massive bonus up front. You know, we just need the players to, to click around him and. I think he, he will score goals. I, I'm very excited by it, laugh, to be honest. And, you know, for every game that we've had this season, I think, yeah, I think pretty much every game we've had this season, we've pretty much bettered the opponent in all the underlying data, but the actual one that matters, we haven't really done it. So it does show that there is real positive signs to some extent, but we are having or given a lot of negatives on, on the other side, which is costing us in the main table. Uh, can I just say on like the attacking point that you mentioned? Yesterday, obviously, we had Silvera on the right and McGree on the left, but Silvera being a right-footed player was cutting in on his weaker left foot, which I just thought was odd. And then the one time that he didn't, we scored from it because he went down the line, he went on the outside, whipped a good ball in and we scored from it and it was a good header from Latte Lath. We, we haven't really mentioned that goal so much because it's been submerged by the shit show that was the four goals that we conceded, but... I, I wanted, and Maddo was saying it on commentary, just go go on the outside more. Everything just came central. But, you know, Silvera is quick and he had, he was up against Eric Peters, who is not. So it just, I know that's a very like simple thought of aging mm. fullback against a very quick winger, but he just kept coming in central and then he was coming into the condensed areas of the pitch and I wanted to see him attack the outside a lot more and, put balls into the box because Latia Lath has good movement and I think that we probably would have got a lot more a lot more opportunities through that route but uh, yeah 
No, well, well, absolutely that. You know, I think he he just needs the service and the and the, and the players around him to give him the opportunities. Like, and we've shown that like he does get himself into good positions. He's he's able to, you know, he's got his first goal now. I'm hoping for many more. He probably could have scored against um, Huddersfield. Probably should have. But overall, he's he's been really positive. And as for Silvera as well, like I agree, like he, he is cutting in. I don't know why he's cutting in too much, but like let's have a look at his like his stats at the minute. You know. What is it? Three goal contributions in five games, one goal, two assists. He's contributing, but how can we make contribution to even better? How can we improve that even further? And that's where you're probably coming there, Dan. Dan can you stay wide in those certain certain moments? Can you try and drag players out wide? Can you try yeah. and create different areas? And I think that's just something that you need to work with over a period of a season. Like he's only been in the building for what a month, maybe. He's played a certain way for a couple of years. It takes time to adapt to these things. But, you know, the positive side of things, at least he's contributing to something right now. But how can we better the next thing? Well, let's move on uh, to the praise and place. Let's keep it positive, uh, you know, because we've been very upset over the last uh, last 30 minutes. But the praise and place is the place where to give praise uh, to a player, a coach, a staff member, a fan. Uh, Dana's toy SpongeBob and also Matt's beautiful, beautiful hair and face. But guys, on for a break. I was, was going to say the shirt. Uh, I'll take the hair. I'll take the shirt. I'll take the shirt. Um, Matt, I'll, Matt, I'll come to you first. Who's in your uh, praise and place this week? Um, I'm going to put like a laugh in. I'm going to follow up on what you've just been talking about there. I'm really excited by like a laugh, and I've kind of gone from being not questioning whether he can be the 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 talisman or you know our main goal scorer but I'm actually starting to really see it now and I think he's got great pacing behind my, my jaw hit the floor when he was played through and I, I don't know if it was Kipre or whoever it was when he literally put one of the West Brom defenders on his ass and he was like one foot taller than him and he literally puts him on the floor shrugs the other one off turns him and I was like if, if he scores this it'll be the and it was like against Huddersfield when he got through I thought if he scores this and he's had two nearly moments now where I'd I would have just loved the life out of him, loved the laugh out of him. Um, but <laughs> I just, I'm loving him. I'm loving him. I think he, he, he can, he showed that he can get him behind. He showed that he's got the, the strength. And I thought in a crowded box with very physical defenders, I thought he took his header really well. And I think you've, you, you're bang on when you say if we can provide him with the service. I think he needs a bit of refining. I think he's still a bit raw around the edges. But I think give him the chances, get the players around him. I think he could be a really, really good signing and one we might look back on and think we actually got him for a bit of a snip because the signs so far for me are really, really positive. And um, he could have had a really good brace yesterday. So I'm loving laugh. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's in my present place. Yeah, I, I live, laugh, love Emmanuel Manny as well. Like he's just great, isn't he? He really is. He just, yeah. I think we we just need to keep building this team around him going forward. Like it, what is nice to see though is that it looks like strikers will probably score goals in this team. Well, under Michael Carrick anyway, his teams do create chances, and hopefully, he can start putting them more away. We can start climbing up the table. Things can get a little bit better. But yeah, for me, Emmanuel Lattelaff is definitely in my present place this week. Dana, um, who is in yours? Isaiah Jones for his display uh-huh. off the bench. I thought, honestly, it was what you want to see from Jones. I will say as well, the chance that he put on a plate for Silvera's miss against Huddersfield is, again, exactly the the place that you want him to be in. Obviously, I wasn't on last week's pod because I was depressed after the um, England women's game. 
But I probably would have mentioned that on, on there, so I'll mention it this week. If we get Azai Jones into the right areas, then he can be a really good weapon in, in our inventory. And I think that yesterday he was he was really good. Um, he was direct. He had that chance where there was literally nobody around him, but he took on one of the West Rom players and had a much better shot than what I was anticipating. And then he hit the post as well. He was really bright in the build-up to the, the awarding of the penalty. So I think his display was really positive. And I, I really want to see that more often from Jones. So, yeah, I'm backing him. I want to see that more from Izzy. But it was it was a really good cameo off the bench, so you get to my present place. Do you think he goes back into the 11, uh, Dana? No. I mean, that was a really good performance. You know, these this bit of form now does create plenty of opportunities for players to come in and take advantage of that. We've seen it last year. But um, what do you think? Do you think Isaiah Jones could make us way back in the 11 now potentially but I'd probably keep things as they are right now I think that he's a good option off the bench until he probably puts in you know he keeps up these cameo performances if it continues and you know he comes off the bench in the next game and performs well then there's a shout but I think for now I'd probably stick with what it is between McGree, Silvera and potentially Force because Force gives you the option of of a shooter um, you know, he, he's probably guilty of being a little bit selfish sometimes from the wing, cutting inside and, and shooting when really he should probably pass. There were a few examples of that in the game against Huddersfield. I suppose it just depends on what you want. But if we do play Jones, I think we've got to play him as that old-fashioned winger, get to the byline and cut it back because he's very good at doing that. Um, he's not really somebody that... Like, I feel like Jones needs space in behind. He needs those one-twos and he needs that ball down the line that he can run onto. If he is stuck and there's somebody, uh, you know, there's someone marking him in front of him, I just don't think he's the type to take them on and get past them. We did see that when he did, when he first broke through, but I think his strength is more running into that space, getting to the byline and cutting it back. So I would like to see him integrated back into the the first team, or sorry, the starting 11 at the at some point. But I think for now, keep him on the bench, keep the cameos, or the, hopefully the good cameos coming and then go from there. Okay, then. Well, let's move on uh, to podcast questions now, because every week uh, you get the chance to send us a question via Twitter, Boring Scott Breakdown, email Breakdown at hotmail.com, or by joining our Telegram chat with over 370 Bora fans, chatting everything but Bora will. We actually were talking about Bora yesterday, so that's a, a one-off uh, for that chat. Um, but the first question is from Neil. He says, do we need two ball winners in the middle of the park to accommodate the four forwards and attacking fullbacks? Um does taking Hackney out of the team and replacing him with a new ball winner alongside Housen make us more likely to win games? Uh, Tom, what do you think? No, Tom, Matt, sorry, I'm pleased to speak to Tom. Um, I'm so sorry, That's Matt. A, that's a compliment. Um, it's a compliment. No, it's not. It's, um... <laughs> Shade. Shame. Shame on me. Shame on me. But yeah, do you think we need two ball winners in the centre of the park to, to win games? Um, no, I wouldn't say two and I wouldn't take Hackney out either I think we still need to have either a Hackney or a Barlasser or at least in one of the two midfield positions I think if we if we swap to a 4-3-3 then maybe you could do something with the balance of the three midfielders there but I think while we're playing with a two in the middle it's still worth us having that one creative midfielder who you know can get in the pockets of space and, and can create whether it's Hackney or Barlasser so I still think the, the benefits that they bring us and the pros they bring us is is worth having them in the team. I think maybe it is on the other side of midfield where, you know, we currently have Housen, for example, where that's the position we need to maybe focus on more. So just getting a more defensive midfielder alongside a Hackney or a Balassa to maybe sit a bit deeper and protect the back four. So 
I wouldn't go all the way and say we have to replace both with defensive midfielders, but I think definitely one of them needs to be. Okay. Um, the next question is from Daniel. He says, has the quick success of last season gave us a false belief in how capable this squad and manager can be in the short term? Uh, Dana, what do you think? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think to a degree, yes, it's obviously raised the the expectations. I think last season was a, a quick and pretty much unexpected ascent but I think it's also worth noting that it wasn't just a quick fling you know this was something that lasted about four months which for a new manager and especially a manager that is new to management is very good and also very rare so I mean let's be honest it's definitely altered expectations do we need to adjust those (sighs) probably but then I do see why people do have really high expectations of us based on last season so there's still a lot to learn about this team and I will say there's still a lot to learn about Carrick too because he hasn't had to endure a significant tough patch obviously we did finish last season poorly although again as I said on last season's podcast it was influenced by injuries and really shoddy refereeing decisions in terms of results but this is probably the the significant sticky patch that he needs to negotiate through and I think we'll learn a lot more about Carrick once we come out of the end of this. Okay and then the final question well second uh, last question from Davey says for three of the goals the nearest player to the goal scorer was Dale Fry. He seems very reactionary uh, so far this season. Has he become too timid? Is this system and style killing our centre-backs? Matt, what do you think? Do you think Dale Fry has become too timid? Um, I'm not sure. I think it's it's both harsh to put the blame on Dale Fry, I think, as an individual. Because I think a lot of the goals we've conceded have just been collectively being poor defensively and obviously we've spoke about the midfield as well so I think it's hard to maybe put the blame on just Fry but I also think at the same time he does maybe evade criticism a bit more than other defenders would because he's one of our own and are we seeing the full potential of Dale Fry are we seeing the defender we were look we thought we had when he first brought through at the team I'm not too sure my personal opinion is we could improve in that area with with a better ball playing defender I think Fry gets himself into good positions and does make crucial blocks at times, but I think there's more to the the weaknesses of Borough's team at the minute than just still Fry. I think it's a collective, because I think on paper, him and Lenahan should be one of the more reliable and solid, steady central defensive pairs in the whole league. So I think there's definitely more to, to why Borough are conceding the goals we are um, and how we're conceding them than, than just still Fry. I'm going to jump to his defence here because I I do think Dale Fry is our best defender. I think he's, as with the whole team, I don't think we should just take this as as an individual, but the whole team are going through a really rough patch at the moment. And I wouldn't write, I don't think anyone is, but I wouldn't write Dale Fry off. I think he's still a very good player, he's still a very good defender. And I think we'll see him improve and it'll coincide with the team improving too. Yeah, for me on Fry as well, I think that, it does lack the ball playing side of things, which I feel like is being coached out of him because of previous managers. You know, when you work when you work under Tony Pulis, you work under Neil Warnock, um, Chris Wilder to, to some extent as well. Um, you know, you don't really play up in the back too much, and he's been taught for like the last four or five years, just hoof it, just put in the channel still. You know, like no nonsense, just do that. And I feel like when he when he did break through under you know well did slightly break through under Karanka a little bit. Um, 
we were playing a bit more of a possession-based style. He's probably brought up in, into that as well. As Felix is being kind of coached out of him. So can we coach that back into him? Save ourselves a bit of cash because we're going to have to get a ball playing centre-half. In my opinion, I think we do need that. But yeah, I just think we just need to keep improving in that area. And just in terms of like him being like the, the nearest goal, nearest player to the goal scorer, that's probably not the problem. I think the, the, when you see goals normally, it's normally like two or three actions before that where the biggest problem actually is where that leads to a goal um, because that is kind of the, the keystone and it's a domino effect from there to why things happen. So he's not always the problem there, but it is what it is. And then the final question, it was, it was from uh, Telegram, but it's from Tom and he says, what's happening with Ale Gilbert? Why isn't he getting a look? Um, so, Alex Gil- so Alex Gilbert, yeah, he hasn't actually featured at all yet. He's had a few injuries, of course. You know, he, he hasn't really had much of a preseason. And I feel like he has, hasn't had the chance to kind of break in yet. But it's interesting, though, isn't it, Alex Gilbert? Because, like, I thought he'd be at least featuring to some extent, even when games don't really matter too much anymore. Um, but he hasn't featured at all. So, it's a strange one. What, any of you guys have an opinion on that in terms of Alex Gilbert? Like, why we haven't seen him? Do you think he might go on loan, maybe, before the window's out? What I was thinking when you mentioned injuries is that it was a hand injury. And then Ralph Vandenberg also has a hand injury. So what's going on with these hand injuries at Middlesbrough? I think, got, I think uh, Vandenberg had a dislocated thumb or something. But yeah, it's it's interesting with Gilbert because we literally don't even know um, what position he's playing. Sorry, there's a fly. Um, we don't even know what position he's actually considered in because he's not played. So is it because his position in terms of looking on transfer marks is that he can play up front, he can play as a number 10 and he can play on the wing, on left wing. So like, we don't even know what his position is in the eyes of Carrick because we just haven't seen him. So yeah, another case of more questions than answers at the moment. Well, I don't know what will happen with him, to be honest. It is what it is, but let's move on. Um, let's talk about the Football Content Awards uh, because this year we are going for best podcast uh, in the EFL at the FCA's. Uh, last season, you know, we got to the finals. We were very, very close, but we just didn't make it. But we were one of the best podcasts uh, in the country. So thank you very much for voting for us, of course. And how do you vote for us, Denimal? How do you vote for us? Well, you vote for us by heading to www.footballcontentawards.com forward slash voting. Click the drop down menu or scroll down to best podcast, type our name in there. And then that is literally all you need to do. Click vote, it'll register. And then that is literally it. So it is so simple. It takes about five seconds. You don't need to fill out any other category. Just head to the best podcast category, uh, type the word breakdown, and then Bob's your uncle and Fanny's your aunt. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> <thanks>. <laughs> but yeah, the links of that will be in the podcast description and in our YouTube comment as well. So please do vote for us. That'd be great. But let's move on uh, to Bolton now. Uh, Bora, uh, go to the tough sheet, which absolutely cracks me up. Um, <laughs> the community stadium. Uh, the last time <laughs> we went there, uh, Ashley Fletcher scored two and Bora won 2 0. They are actually third in League One. I'm crying at that name. I feel like poor Bolton fans, you know. They really went down from the Reebok Stadium to Tough Sheet, you know. It's, it's tough shit. Eh? Um, but anyway, third in League One. Um, four wins out of six. The only defeat coming uh, at home uh, to Wigan with a loss 4-0. Um, they do set up in a 3-4-1-2 formation. And they're a heavily possession-based side. They've averaged the highest in League One uh, this season with 
Uh, they average about 1.77 goals uh, per game, which is the highest in League One. And they also are high for biggest chances created. So a team that creates plenty of chances. Um, the XG against is uh, 1.5. So it's just slightly over what they're expecting um, because they're not mixed with 0.8. So they are giving away a couple of chances or conceding chances where they probably shouldn't be. But they do try and win the ball back in the central area of the pitch and they try and spray the ball out wide. And that's where they're going to create most of the chances. They'll try and get the ball out wide and get the ball in the box for Victor Adebojo. I can't never say his name. Adebojo. Um, and he's got four goals uh, this season. He's part with uh, Dion Charles up top. And also, just a name uh, from a blast from the past from previous podcast from last year where we were after goalkeepers, Nathan Baxter is actually in goal. Um, for Bolton, I remember tweeting really at him after one of our games last season saying, do you fancy coming to Bora? <laughs> now he's in League One. <laughs> I think I cursed him. Yeah, you've been malt cursed. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the biggest space of the game, if you're playing against a side uh, who plays 3-4-1-2, is in that half space. So will, will Bora hopefully try and play in that central area again? Who knows? You want to try and get a 2v1 on, on the wing backs because you've got one player on each side. So that creates a load of space uh, in behind for you to try and create those one-twos and get up the pitch and, and hopefully uh, score for Borough. But it's a tough game. It's quite ironic as well, you know, that we're playing Bolton. Um, our worst start of the season, uh, or three or four, and now playing Bolton in the, Car- uh, in the Carroll Cup, which, you know, the Carroll Cup. Um, just <laughs> interesting, isn't it? So book your tickets uh, for a final in February. Uh, but what's your predictions, uh, guys? Matt, do you think we'll win, lose, draw, match abandoned? What do you think? I'm going to back us to get a narrow win. I think we have to. I think we have to put out a strong team. I think we have to have to try and build confidence and get some form of a win on the board I think for the players and for the fans as well I think if we were to lose this game I'd probably stay off Twitter for a, at least a week <laughs> uh, I dread to think what would happen if we lost to Bolton but it's a banana skin it is a banana skin because they're one of the favourites to get up from League One and if you were to put the pyramid together there's only technically five league places between us so you know looking at it from that point of view it's a bit of a banana skin this one, and I think we will have to pretty we have, we'll have to be pretty close to our best, I think, to ensure we get a result from this. So I think we will narrowly get a result, but it will not be a walk in the park. So fingers crossed, because we'll be facing another borough Twitter meltdown otherwise, which no <laughs> one wants. No one wants that. Again. I know I can't bother with it anymore. But Dana, uh, what, what do you think? Well, I've already logged out of the Borough Breakdown socials, so I'm I'm clear of <laughs> part of it anyway. But when it comes to, to the game, it's Bolton. i got to go 2-1 Borough, have because of the cup final. I think Rodgers will score a brace. And for them, I think Dion Charles will score. So, yeah, 2-1 Borough, Rodgers brace. It's going to happen. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm going to go with Joseph Job and Paul Lutton <laughs> for Borough. Um, doing a lot in the first seven or eight minutes and then um you know i can just see i can just see kevin Davy scoring i don't know why just, just gonna say that as well um wait i i hopefully think we hopefully think we win it's you know it's a tough place to go you know and if we hopefully we, just, we should also win at the tough at the tough sheet you know what i mean so um yeah I, i'm gonna go yeah i think oh, these will create chances you know and i feel they won't make changes they'll want to keep Keep progressing. I think we will make changes, so it's going to be interesting to see how we how we set up. But I think we might just have enough. I think it'd be a, actually do think it'd be two one. 
<laughs> funny enough so um but guys thank you very much uh for joining me as always to listeners and the viewers thank you very much for for watching and listening to us don't forget to give us a five star rating on your podcast provider you know there's a lot of you subscribed and you still haven't given us a five star rating so please do and that helps us get found chat and all that fun stuff and don't forget to give us a thumbs up on this video and subscribe to the board breakdown a uh, youtube channel but Borough have had their worst start of the season since 2003-2004 now must go to bolton to get their season going Ah, it's the parallels. We need a right back as well. Can Danny Mills play again? Who knows? Um, <laughs> but <laughs> this has been uh, the Board Breakdown podcast. And you know what? You can't beat a bit of Carl and Darling of the Board Breakdown podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.